welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your guest, Jeff Stevens. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither is our D&D games. That's true. Before we uh, get started here, I want to take a moment to let you all know that this episode is brought to you by our generous Patreon donors. You are awesome. Keep it coming. If you want to become a a Patreon donor, head on over to CritAcademy.com and click on the Patreon donor uh, icon. You can get access to all kinds of cool stuff, like joining us live on the show. I mean, you watch the stream one month before everybody else, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And you realize how big of a moron we are behind the scenes. That's true. (laughs) All the stuff that has to get cut out. So we want to thank you for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like a river without man-eating fish. Piranhas. I just watched uh, Black Lightning. So did I. And and I literally was freaking out because there was man-eating fish, and I was like, that's my topic tonight. (laughs) My wife's like, you're such a dork. Is that show any good? Uh, I'm loving it. I think it's great. I've been enjoying it. Yeah. So I'll have um, to check it out. Uh, I mean, I'll admit the CW overall has been, been doing pretty good with their uh, superhero shows. Oh, for sure. Now, if now if um, the DC big screen people could figure it out, I think we'd be set. But uh, I don't see that happen anytime soon. One problem though is like the big screen people keep messing around with the plans for the small screen people. Yeah, that's why the that's, Suicide Squad disappeared. Yeah, from Arrow. sad face. <laughs> All right, so. Before we begin our show, we always like to do something special for all of our subscribers. Compliments of our awesome sponsors. And first up on deck, we have some gifts from Goblinstone. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned. Compliments of Goblinstone. Goblinstone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Jeff, who's our winner this day, today? <laughs> Ian, who's our winner today? <laughs> Skinner Zach. Uh, we apologize for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Con- what was his name? Skinner Zach. Skinner Zach. Congratulations, Skinner Zach. You are this week's winner. Um, if you enjoy the adventure, please head on over to goblinstone.com and leave him a review. Let him know what you thought about the product and really just give him overall uh, thumbs up because honestly, you're going to love it. We all did. No matter how many times I run it, it's always awesome. So And it's always a little bit different each time. Yeah. We have a really great show for you guys. I'm super excited. Obviously, you've heard the sexy voice coming from Mr. Jeff there. We have a special guest, special guest for you today. Um, well, wanna, I guess it is a special Jeff, isn't it? It is a special Jeff. <laughs> I am a special Jeff. <laughs> we got a very special guest. I'm super excited, uh, Jeff. Um, he's one of our sponsors as well as a developer that has an amazing, amazing uh, portfolio of, of experience that I cannot wait to pick and prod his brain. He'll do it, too. <laughs> uh, in our Let's Talk About Blank segment, we have a question from uh, Tara Binto Basta. That's a very awesome name. Um, I don't I think like I don't know if that's real or not, but that's awesome. 
We're going with it. And then, of course, we have our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment where we deliver new and reusable material for both players and DMs. But before all that, we have In the Realms where we talk a little bit about what's going on in our life. Jeff, what's going on in your realm? Oh, I've got a whole bunch of projects going on right now, and I'm, I bet. I'm at the point where I don't know what to work on, so I just procrastinate a little bit. <laughs> Story of my life. That was me right? in college. Exactly. Uh, anything yeah. in particular you want to talk about? I just tweeted a, a cover of my, one of the ones that's coming up called Villains and Layers. I don't know if you all oh. saw that on Twitter. I did see yeah. it. It looks awesome. Basically, it's, it's just like the other Encounters books that I've done. I, I reached out to a bunch of writers. Um asked for some NPCs, and each NPC is going to have an image. I scoured uh, DMs Guild and DriveThruRPG for a bunch of cool images um, and went out and, and asked some writers to write up some backstories, some flaws, some motives, and some stat blocks for them. And so, you know, you're going to have a whole book of maybe 30 NPCs uh, that you'll be of various levels that you'll be able to pull out. Each each one will ha- mostly have a ma- uh, new magic item also. Sure, love that. And a couple of them, a couple of them are going to have layers that you'll actually be able to have a mini adventure if you wanted to just build that into the campaign. Right. Um, and uh, I'm going to do it right up uh, six bounties also. Nice. So, you know, if you happen to be in a bar or or the or the the sheriff's department, you can see a bounty. It's an easy way to to just. Um, Put a little extra into your campaign where you're like, okay, well, we're looking for this goblin and there's a thousand gold pieces on him, dead or alive, so let's find him, you know? Bringing just his head back. You know, that makes me think of uh, in One Piece where the, the bounty poster for one character was completely wrong. <laughs> and <laughs> they don't even match. And the best part, though, was somebody else looked like that bounty poster, so people were always going after him. So he ended <laughs> down. So they take an idea to do. So he ended up going after the real guy. I'm just going to hunt you down so people stop coming after me. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was like hilarious. Like Twist that. on it, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done that in a game where the the, the the players become like bounty due to mistaken identity or anything like that. Or they hunt the wrong person down. <laughs> you say it looks like it matches them. That's awesome. I love that. Or they, or they, or they killed the guy or girl. They stole the armor, and the armor is what everybody's looking for. Oh. So they're around wearing, wearing <laughs> that person's armor that's a specific look, and, well, they, there you are. <laughs> Get mugged and take your gear. Um, so that sounds like you got a really cool um, plans coming out. Ian, <laughs> what's going on in your realm? As I said in our previous show, the, the game store I usually go to is closing down, so I'm definitely trying to appreciate the camaraderie as much as we can before the uh, final closing date comes around. But it's been a good time. And it's definitely kind of fun chatting up uh, the players and we're definitely trying to in the real world stay connected in some way shape or form so i'm kind of curious to see where that's gonna go justin what's going on in your realm my wife surprised me the other day and took me to a glass blowing class i'm sorry what was that i i you did not go in the direction i thought you're gonna go with that <laughs> no glass blowing blowing on oh, whatever dude um <laughs> apparently i am full of hot air but um yeah so she surprised me she took me to this area where I sat and we we had a professional guiding us as we were, you know, glass melted. They keep it melted at twenty two hundred degrees. Oh yeah, that's mm. in, I, it's mind boggling. But I got to I got to pick the colors and I shaped it and I rolled it and then I put new colors on it and I shaped it and rolled it and I made it look like an Eldritch Blast. Nice, sweet. Now that's they awesome. yeah they they call it uh, um, an icicle, but it looks like an Eldritch Blast to me. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what now I'm they calling call it. it. The wrong thing. Yeah, that's what I told. That's what I told them. But they didn't know what I was talking about. They're like, well, everyone knows what an ice crystal is. I was like, well, you need to step up your game. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll do it for in the realms. Ian, if they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do that? They can go to Audible, where they can get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial if they go to 
audibletrial.com slash critacademy. <laughs> or you can head on to over to our website, critacademy.com. We have a link there as well. That works too. Moving on to our first segment. So, Tata Pinto Basto. Awesome name. Um, yeah. Asked, is that right? I have no idea, but that's as good a shot we would have gave him. <laughs> Tata Pinto Basto. I love it. Um, asked the question, I want my players to mistake a resistance movement for terrorists that need to be put down. What kind of heinous but perfectly justifiable actions can freedom fighters pull that wreaks havoc enough that my players are distracted from the obviously lawful evil group that rules the city? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah and you actually, we briefly discussed uh, this before the show started. Would you like to uh, share your thoughts on this? Sure. Uh, you know, one of the things when I was when I read this, I was thinking about um, you know just people who are acting uh, strange within the city. You know, uh, people wearing cloaks and that the the hoods pulled over the cloaks and af- acting shifty, maybe being uh, or speaking to people um, passing coin, this and that. You know, just giving them that shifty gaze. That, mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're actually freedom fighters, but they're looking kind of shifty. So, you know, that's, that's one way to get, uh, to draw attention. I think the term freedom fighters is where it really gets, um, kind of sketchy because oftentimes people who are fighting for what is right often aren't perceived as doing what is right. And I think in your example, you mentioned earlier of having, um, them mistake them for something they're not creates a very interesting dynamic and admittedly sometimes yeah. it's a very fine line between the two the two groups oh for sure yeah i'll share this that uh, the, the adventure that uh justin and i were talking about earlier is called the, the night of the rise and it's um where the uh the adventurers are hired to go take on a bandit captain you know the, the one of the classic tropes get rid of the bandit captain um but along the way they they encounter a uh, uh interesting way that they can deal with that bandit captain um should i go ahead and spill the beans here what do you think it's it's your adventure, so yeah, it's okay, entirely well, up to you. Yeah, hopefully, if there's any players out there that you don't, you know, if you've got if there are DMs out there, go ahead and listen. If there's players that want to play this, uh, close your ears. But um, <laughs> yeah, the uh, the adventurers run into the uh, a, a group of performers who are reenacting the bandit captain and his crew, and so you know the the adventurers really don't know that's who it is. And nine times out of ten, those adventurers have gone and and attacked the uh, the performers. Uh, and then they find out that, oh, darn, what did we do? <laughs> we killed innocent people who were just dressed up and acting. And they find out that they, they were actually hired to go perform for the bandit captain. Whoops. Um, <laughs> and uh, they have a contract that's going to get them into the bandit captain's uh, um, area there, the lair or, or whatever you want to call it. And um, a script, which is which can be used to actually perform for the bandit captain uh, named Giles. And uh, if you do a good job, it states that you'll receive a private meeting with him. So it kind of leads up that that's the way you should go. And that's awesome because Mm -hmm. that starts to focus on skill sets that allow classes like the bard and the rogue to really specialize in like performance and persuasion and stuff. And I think that's awesome. When mm-hmm. I ran it, my bard was buffing everybody with bless and all this kind of stuff, you know, to, to make sure they, pla- they pass their skill checks. But yeah. it also does have a script, so your players actually read the script. They have to act out the play. So first of all, that's awesome, and that was far better than any answer I probably would have given. Oh, yeah. um, so thank you for sharing that, Jeff. Um, the yeah. one thing that I wanted to touch on, it sounds like you've you've got something too, is I think focusing on areas and attacking areas that seem like they 
they're the bad guys because they're doing it. like for instance temples and churches yep um tagging them with uh like you know freedom fighter sigils and knocking stuff over and just terrorizing these things that are often known as good places makes them appear to be bad what you what everyone from the outside looking in doesn't see is that maybe that's a source of like the drug cartel or the secret you know you, you got like the the crazy nuns that are you know actually the bad guy type of thing and i think uh setting it up so it's something like that where the heroes have no reason to believe that what they're doing is not right. Or attacking the uh, beloved pu- public official who may have more than a few skeletons in this closet behind the scenes. <laughs> yes, and only the heroes know about that because that develops more into, well, how is the, the world around the heroes going to react? Are they still going to treat them as heroes? If they don't know, because I can sit and say that, hey, I'm, I'm the good guy. He's a bad guy. He did the bad thing. But if I, it's just my word versus them, it's it's... It's perception of everyone around you. Or, not quite the same thing, but maybe the freedom fighters of terrorists are actually actual terrorists, but they were framed for committing something they actually did not do. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. Okay, we okay, we may be thieves, but we didn't steal that. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Wasn't us. (laughs) Um, It is not mine. uh, Any other uh, points on this before we move on? I think we, between the three of us, especially from Jeff Stevens, got pretty well covered. <laughs> no joke. Um, so, Tata Pinta Basto, um, we hope we answered your question today. If we didn't, please send an email to the complaint department with a $5 check, and we'll make sure to um, evaluate it um, again. <laughs> now we're moving on to the meat and potatoes of the show. That's one, that sounds good right now, actually. Oh, I know, right? So moving on to our main topic, we have Savage Encounters with developer Jeff Stevens. You've already heard a little bit of a sexy voice. Jeff, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? About me? Um, yeah. I am a 47-year-old guy who's living the dream right now, part-time. <laughs> you know, I, I have been able... I, okay, I took a... I started playing in the red, with the Red Box when I was about 9 or 10 years old, you know, back in the back in the day. Um, and went on to AD&D. I stopped playing about the mid-80s, early 90s, and then was out of D&D for quite some time. Started right, started back up right before 5th edition came on. So I played maybe three sessions of, uh, what was it, 4th? Yeah. 4.5? <laughs> I don't know what the... Yeah, 4. Four the one that most people didn't get past a, a session or two of, yeah. Yeah, and then 5th then came out. So we were like, well, we're going to play 5th, so let's just buy all the books and jump in. And um, I'd never DM'd before. We, we let a guy DM for a while, and um, his little campaign wrapped up, and he goes, anybody else want to DM? I said, I'll try it. So I started DMing. I uh, was writing out my, my stories, um, went you know line by line. I wanted to make sure I was prepared for the, uh, for the sessions, and, and uh, from there, I was like, this is pretty cool. And I, then I, that's when I noticed the DMs Guild. It came out right about the time that 5 opened, I think. Uh, it's about two years old right now. Okay. And... And um, I was I was I was like, well, this stuff's on there. There's some pretty cool stuff, and there's some stuff that really needs some development. So I, I think I could write about as good as some of the bad stuff on there. <laughs> um, so you know, and that's the big thing is not you know when you go to start publishing, it's like, well, how good am I? Am I good enough to write to, to right. publish? Is it worth people paying money for? Yeah, I mean, I'm an idea uh, guy, but I can't write worth a dick. <laughs> you get better. You get better. It's a growing process. This far, even the development and the uh, the the adventure development, it it all. I learn something new every time I write something or put something together. I'm getting but, up with parts of ideas here and there, but coming up with that cohesive whole always seems to be a challenge. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Yeah, but but anyway, I, I was uh, through that campaign. I had some little some little things written up, which was, one of them was the throne of the, the throne of bone, um, the house of the midnight violet. So I, I went ahead and wrote those up as adventures and published them on the guild. And that's so that's how I got my start on the guild. Wow. And right. you know, thinking thinking this might be you know one or two things, and I saw I saw a little um, success there, and it, I really wasn't too concerned with the success. I was having more fun writing and publishing and sharing them. Oh, that's uh, awesome! Sure. And so I just kept writing and, and building there, and so now I'm I'm a guy who is 47 years old who's always wanted to be a writer. I'm a published writer, and I'm living the dream writing for D and D. That. I go with that. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm a little jealous. I'll be honest. Um, hey, hey, you guys have your podcast, so you know I'm jealous <laughs> of that. Well, it's it's easy to talk about D and D. I think we all do that when we play D and D. So for us to just put some mics in front of our faces and to, uh, to I don't think is near the accomplishment of uh, the work you got to. Plus, you got to deal with like legal stuff, man. That's probably got to be pretty rough. Some, yeah. There's 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 quite a. I need to look more into the legal thing. I think you know a lot of the creators in the guild are are not aware of that um and we just go off of the uh faq that's um posted for the dms guild Mm -hmm. and um there's nobody sneaking up behind you that's all we're the what so there's nobody sneaking up behind you you're fine i saw you do this no i heard something banging around (laughs) upstairs must be a mouse kind of all worried sorry (laughs) yeah yeah, the whole the whole thing with the knife behind me um but anyway yeah we're there's nobody there's no um Nobody to help you out as far as the law of, of publishing, and so it's right. kind of up to us. And so I need to do a little more reading on my own just to make sure I'm I'm within the scope of the law for sure. And what would you say the sure uh, biggest thing that comes up in regards to legal stuff is on DMs Guild? What was that? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wish dude, you guys could dude, see him dude, like dude, watching. No, 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 I hear it now. My wife <laughs> came downstairs. So I, okay, I, I'm okay. Nobody's sneaking up behind me. <laughs> Uh, once again, though, what would you say the uh, biggest legal issues that may pop up with those who post on D- DMs Guild is? Not understanding the rules of the DMs Guild, for one. Um, sure. any, basically, anything you publish there can't be published anywhere else. So once it's there, it becomes the – the um, it's not their intellectual property. It is – but you can't publish it anywhere else. Like drive through RPG, you can publish stuff there if it's under the SRD and the OGL. Um, and then you can publish it somewhere else. But if anything you put on the DMs Guild is, is there, and a lot of people don't realize that, and also the use of uh, like specific D and D logos, that type of thing. A lot of people try and try and make their logo look like the official Dungeons and Dragons stuff, and you can't do that either. They don't want that. So, see now, I saw a, a, a Twitter, uh, a Twitter or a Facebook post or something from the new guy in charge over at DMs Guild, and they made some rules adjustments lately, right? Having to do with like cover slight- art and stuff. Yeah, a slight rules adjustment. They wanted uh, they wanted people to stop using their own logos. So independent independent publishers who have made a name like um, I don't want to name any names, but you know people who just started building their own logos for branding, you know, to, okay. to make to make it more noticeable. Right. And they've decided to take that out. And I think one of the reasons was, um, and this is just my personal thought, that people were trying to to imitate the official D and D logo too much, and so they just said, well. We'll we'll stop that and we'll just say no logos, and it was originally in the uh, the FAQ in the agreement that we signed that uh, basically the only logo you're allowed to use is the little DMs Guild logo that they allow, and they've mm-hmm. kind of been um, a little on lax it. on it, allowing people to create their own and post their own. But it's just I think it's just for their own good uh, to make sure that everything, you know, there's no rules broken there, no copyright infringement. Right, exactly. Which is it's weird because it seems like technically they own it. Almost if they take what fifty percent of the 
of the money, right? I mean, they take about 50%. The, the DMs Guild, the a writer, a, a creator gets half of what it lists for. So if it's listed for two ninety five, we'd make a buck forty nine or whatever. Um, of that, I believe thirty five percent goes to one bookshelf, who is the company behind the DMs Guild, mm-hmm. and then fifteen percent, I believe, goes to uh, Watsi itself, Wizards of the Coast, is like a licensing fee. So, all right, you know, by publishing on the DMs Guild, we're allowed to use everything that people that publish elsewhere can't. So we can use beholders and mind flayers and all the intellectual property. We can list and name. Forgotten Realms, cities, and people, um, you know, we're, we're able to use the entire intellectual property that, that uh, is D&D. Does that include, like, really cool. maps and stuff, too, huh? Um, not the maps, no. Ooh, you can't face. use their official maps, but uh, there's some people um, that create some great maps to go along with the official content. You know, Elven mm-hmm. Tower is a great cartographer. I don't know if you've seen any of his mm-hmm. stuff, but, you know, he's built some, he's created some maps that are really good for... Uh, that you can use in a in a, your own published products that you know are similar to um, the official Forgotten Realm stuff. Wow, that's awesome. That seems like a yeah, lot of work. I, you know, and whenever people um, begin publishing, they need to figure out you know do they want to go the drive through RPG route and make a little more money off of the uh, the royalty, or do they want to go with the DMs Guild and, and have the whole intellectual property available at their at their hands? Right. Um, for me, I went with the DMs Guild. You know, I don't use all the all the IP that I can. I a lot of times will write my stuff in generic settings so they can be dropped into any campaign. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I love system agnostic also, content, so that's awesome. Yeah, I also think that there's, you know, maybe more traffic now to the DMs Guild as more people learn about it. I mean, it's been right. out for two years, and I've definitely definitely seen more sales over the last year that uh, than I did the first year I was in there. Sure. So when you place an item on, and I, I'm sorry, we're kind of derailing from the actual point of this this the show, but uh, the, this That's episode. Fine. But um, when you publish on the 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 DMs Guild and you put an item up there, is it up there indefinitely, or a certain amount of time it gets pulled down? It's up there until I take it down. All right. So are you still seeing money from even the first few things you've made coming yes. in? All right. Yeah. Wow. That that actually sounds pretty sweet. It does. Uh, it takes a while to build up an audience. I mean, people. Yeah, I imagine. You know, there's some great stuff out there that that takes off. I mean, we've seen um, uh, Banquet of the Damned from Benoit de Bernardi. Yeah, I love Benoit. Beautiful adventure. I mean, when that thing popped up there at 295 and it was sitting at the top, I'm like, what? Who is this guy? <laughs> you know, I don't like him at all. That's funny. My stuff looks like garbage compared to his. Uh, but now Benoit and I are are pretty good (laughs) friends. I mean, we chat quite often. He's done some layout work for me, and he's written for me, and and we've we've shared a lot of uh, comments and thoughts back and forth. And you know, we chat uh, a couple times a week, or you know, just say, "Hey, what's going on?" Yeah, he's actually Um, the one that pushed me to take all my unearthed tips and tricks and try to make a book out of it. He says, "Look, the content you have is really good. If you could get it formatted and in a more deliverable format than just us talking." Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good content there that people would, people would probably pay for. So that's really what encouraged me to even start per- pursuing that at all. So, right. yeah. so the, he's a great guy. I mean, he's, he's, he's developed maps that are amazing. Um, <laughs> he's great with layout. He's done a lot of my layout work for me. Um, has just a great mind for writing too. I mean, some of the stuff he's written for me is just fa- fabulous. So I, I really, you know, Benoit is awesome. And then we saw the most recent one from, uh, I believe it's Florian is his first name. Um, the Shores of Dreams, I yes. believe it's called. 
And that's another one that looks just stellar. I'm supposed I mean, to be reviewing that. <laughs> I haven't looked at it yet. I feel so bad. No, it, it looks stellar. I mean, it's getting great reviews and everything. So, you know, there's some people who are out there who are going to put something out the first time. Now, those things cost money. Don't think they put those out there for cheap. Oh, yeah. They, no. spent, they spent money on those products. Um, whenever you publish something, you have to understand that even though you think it's awesome and, uh, you know, it's going to just sell like hotcakes, it may not. Oh, yeah. Even though it's something yeah. great. And it may take that. a while to to build up an audience. And, and the more product you have out there, the more people are going to see one thing, maybe read it and like it and then go to another. And so, you know, you really have to create your library of uh, products for right, people right. to choose from. And I definitely think, though, that no matter what you do, there's always a definitely a huge amount of luck involved because you can oh, put out sure. a great product, but everybody can miss it. Or, or Oh, yeah. Or you can put out an okay product, but it somehow gets popular for, for some strange reason or another. Right. And, yeah, and I have in between. one that I put up that cost me, I, I put in about $450 into it, and it's only made 170 so far, and it's been up for about a year. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. And it's a beautiful adventure, too. Uh, but, but it's there. Hey, well, which one is it? Maybe we can send some of our listeners over there. <laughs> it is Into the Belly of the Beast. Into the Belly of the Beast. You hear that, Crit Nation? Yeah, it's a, it's a swamp-based it adventure, and it's a great little adventure. But, you know, not everybody needs a swamp adventure right now. So, you know, in a few years, mm-hmm. it may pay itself back. Yep. Did you uh, build a castle in the swamp? <laughs> there is a, there's a, uh, there's a sunken castle in the swamp. <laughs> That's awesome. Get, ah. <laughs> I had to drop the Monty Python reference. Right, right. I, yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, actually, um, so that was quite a bit about yourself. So thank you very much for sharing and all the wonderful information that you just delivered to our listeners as far as um, I learned DM about, stuff. Yeah, I learned DMs about Guild. DMs Guild that I did not know about until you just told me. Yeah, and honestly, I'm probably – good thing I listened to this three times in a row because I'm going to be taking notes the next time when I'm editing so that I can uh, uh, better uh, adjust myself. Um, so, of course, I have to ask, um, Jeff, what is your most memorable D&D moment? You know – I thought about this quite a bit, and I, I don't know if I can. Well, all right, let, let me just, let me just go with this. The first thing that I remember about D and D is playing it at a friend's house in Kansas City. You know, I was young; the the whole family played. There were like three um, brothers and sisters there, and I was sat down, and uh, I made a fighter, and his name was Perseus. All right, and that's because I love that's Perseus. because I watched Clash of the Titans. I, I you know, and and that's the only fantasy name I knew, so I picked Perseus. <laughs> Um, that's awesome. And so I had a great, I had a great time at that. And so that's where I was introduced. But as far as like my favorite memory, that's going to just like go with a whole lifetime of, of, uh, childhood summers. You know, we would, um, our parents would drop us off at, at somebody's house, you know, and we'd go in with Doritos and two liter bottles of Coke. And you, you start at seven o'clock at night and you go to bed at like eight o'clock the next morning. You just play right? D&D all night long, <laughs> you know, or, or being dropped off in the summer at the local game store and you just hang out all day and you're, you're a pest to the owners, but you know, you're playing <laughs> in the background or something and going across the street to the gas station, getting a, a milkshake or something, coming back and, and just hanging out. And just, just all that. That's my favorite part of, of when I played, you know, just being the whole social aspect right. and, and just the whole imagination. I mean, I wish I had the imagination I did when I was a kid. Right. Me too. Now, because it's just not the same. You right. Know? Uh, and you, you learn that when you play with kids too. Yeah. I mean, I envy oh. the imagination I have when I was five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My daughter, she's, uh, she's 12 and, uh, we were playing and my brother was playing and we have, he's, uh, two sons. So my nephews, um, my daughter, my two nephews and my brother, we were all playing and my, my daughter was running a tabaxi. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, she went up and scratched somebody and it didn't do much damage. My brother comes back with a fire blast, you know, and, and gets the same guy and hits him. And, and my daughter's like, 
wow, I didn't know I could do that. You know, thinking like, you know, her, her talons just came out as flames, you know, just rolling with the character. She's a <laughs> right, great role right. player. She's great at it. So, you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff is fun. Just watching yeah. her being able to role play and what that made play me, the game. What that made me think of is, have you ever read the webcomic Darths and Droids? No. No. Basically, it's a webcomic that basically takes like still images from the Star Wars movies, but retells it as a D&D game. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. But the sad part is, a lot of elements made way more sense when they retold it that way. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, uh, for, for, like how they introduced Jar Jar was, um, guys, I got babysit my nine-year-old sister. Can she make a character? <laughs> <laughs> That's Jar Jar. Oh, she has like a uh, really brown scaly skin. It has like uh, eye stalks and some really long flappy ears. Wow, I've made more less terrifying creatures in Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> um, but just stuff like that. It's just... Yeah, and it, it was fun. And it's not just they're creative in that. Like when they when they fight, you know, we constantly preach on the show about when you say you're going to attack, even if you're just running a fighter, don't just say, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna attack. I'm gonna swing my sword." This this kid on Monday, I ran I ran a game two days ago, and he's dual wielding short swords, and he's like, "All right, I'm gonna charge the I'm gonna charge the big bad bad baddie guy, and I'm going to slide between his legs. I'm gonna cut him in the groin with my sword, and then I'm gonna throw my other blade up, crawl up his back, and stab him in the head." Oh, okay. Well, let's see if you can do. Oh, oh, that's a um, that's a crit. Um, yeah. And he's almost dead. Yeah. Might as well make him the rest of the way dead. So he point. I'm just like, I looked at everyone else. I was like, why can't you guys do that? <laughs> right. Exactly. I would. You know, if one of my guys had said that, I would have said it happened. You know, <laughs> that, that was such a stellar explanation of what you're gonna yeah. do. You just did it. And the one thing I like about D and D Fifth Edition is inspiration. I can roll. I can reward that creative thought right so now he can succeed on something else and it just it was so i love kids so i can totally i can totally see that inspiration is definitely a mechanic i don't see utilized as much as it should be yeah, i agree um so moving on now big reason why you're here jeff can you tell us a little bit about your savage encounters and or savage jungles and how it came to be i certainly can uh, and i'm i cannot take credit for the uh initial idea i'm gonna say that um when I first started on the guild, I was looking at people's products and, you know, I bought some of the MT black products and I saw this thing called journey through the center of the underdark by Tony Petreca. And I bought that, I read it and I loved it. It was just, it was, it, he had based these, uh, encounters and mini adventures off of his, um, his own out of the abyss, uh, game. Mm-hmm. And so he, had, he, you know, he had written these up, put them on the guild and they're perfect. I mean, I love his writing style. If you haven't ever read it, read him, you should pick him up. He's got a great writing style. What's his name again? Um, Tony Petreca. Tony Petreca. Yeah, he's written. He's got some stuff I'll in the in the in the savage in the savage encounters books and. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, he's, I do recognize that. He's, name. he's got some good stuff on there. The journey into the center of the uh, journey through the center of the underdark is a great um, uh, module or, or a supplement if you're running out of the abyss. You know, and he he basically wrote up all these little things that he had used in his home game, uh, and there's some great stuff in there. And so when I saw and I had thought, you know, that that'd be a really cool thing to do with just small encounters, you know, and. Mm-hmm. And build up on it. And there were other encounter books on the DMs Guild too, but mine were, I wrote mine just a little bit different. And I also, when I started, I was like, you know, I could write all these, but what fun is that? You know, I want, I want to see what other people can write too. I mm-hmm. think I, this would be a great way for other writers to be shared on the guild, you know, and, and somebody pick up one book and be able to, to read 15 different writers and get their get their styles and and say hey you know that I like this guy let's see what else he's got and so that's I reached out to a bunch of people and said I'm putting this project together would you be able to write you know something for me for this amount of money and 
Um, a lot of them said, yeah, they were just happy to do it, you know, because the people on the guild are writers. They want to write and, right, right. and share. And so they put it towards it. Right. <laughs> and for this, for the Savage Frontier book, that was basically from when Storm King's Thunder came out. You know, I, I said, well, here's my idea, because like chapter three in Storm King's Thunder is just what are you going to do? You know, it's just an open playground. Right. So, you know, it, it wasn't executed as well as I could have. I should have assigned um, topics. I should have assigned monsters, that type of thing for, Sav- for uh, the Savage Frontier. Um, but it still turned out really good. Right. Um, and I've learned from that. And I, I uh, the Savage Cities came along and that was just urban encounters. There, I didn't see any, any books with urban encounters in them and – so I did the same thing, um, and then Savage Jungles, when Tomb of Annihilation came out, there's still that big sandbox feel out there when oh, you're yeah. in the jungles right, of Chol. Sure. What's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And so rather than just the roles, you know, we came up with some some uh, mini adventures and some encounters that uh, you can just throw into your game, you know. And I think what there's a total of over 30 encounters in, in Savage Jungles for like uh, 6.95, mm-hmm. you know. And there's some maps in there, some new magic items, some new, new monsters. Which I think we're going to talk about one of them later. Yep, I'm really excited um, for that. <laughs> yeah, I got about you thirty know? pages and so, in, and there's definitely some good stuff in there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and so that's that's how that came about. Was just thinking, you know, I could write all this, but I want to share what other writers can do. You know, I want to see, I want it to be like a a tool for DMs, but also a tool that they can use to go select other writers to choose from. Right. So how. How did you go about that? Did you say I'm 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 looking for writers who's interested? They all say I'm interested. And do you guys is there an upfront cost to somebody? Is the upfront cost individually, or is the money pulled together, or is it one person pays the bill and then it comes out of whatever earnings there is? How does that How does that whole part of that function? I took all production, so I paid them for their writing. Okay. Uh, upfront, and I went out to certain, and I you know just from the DMs Guild, Twitter, Facebook, I'd reach out to them and say, hey. I'm putting a uh, project together. I'll pay you so much money for so many words. And, you know, a lot of people were like, yeah. And then they gave me even more words than I even asked for. You know, it was like they just wanted to write. And so I I took on all the bill there for layout and art. And the the first book, uh, Encounters on the Savage Frontier, that one started out as just a regular PDF and Word, you know, um, basic layout and that type of thing. And so my initial cost for that one was maybe like $350. But then as it started developing more money or earning more money, I um, added more to development. I hired some uh, some art from um, Elvin Tower, some cartography there. I hired some art from Daniel Waffle, who uh, is Axbane on Twitter. He did some of the, the black and white line art in there. And um, the cover was a Dean Spencer piece off Drive-Thru RPG. It's stock art. Mm-hmm. Beautiful piece. I always, I've always loved it. So I, it was really, really fitting for the Savage um, Frontier piece. So I added more money into it as I was making money on it. So now it's like this beautiful product. Um, Savage Cities, uh, I put all the money into that. I pay people up front. And that one's probably that that one costs a little bit more to make because I put it all up in in the front side. Um, and then Savage Jungles, I tried a little bit of uh, royalty split with the uh, writers. You know, they, each one makes a little bit off each sale. So okay, that okay. saved that saved me a little money up front, but now my margins are low. So it's taking me a little bit longer to make everything back. Because I still put art and uh, layout into that one, but um, but yeah, everybody that I've ever contacted has always been like, you know, pretty well. Yeah, I'll write something for you. 
That's that is such a cool story, man. It that is. is awesome. There's so much that goes into these products that even I wasn't aware of, and I'm trying to do one. <laughs> so, and right? I'm, I'm learning oh, how much work it it's is. Definitely a learning experience. I mean, uh-huh. you can try. You can say you're going to have a deadline. You want something done, well, just like villains and layers. I was hoping to get that out in two weeks from now. Uh, I'm looking at another five or six weeks on that one because I've, I'm just more editing, more layout work, that type of thing. It's just. Okay. It's hard to put a, a time limit on on the production. Uh, what's the author's name for the Hitcher's Guide to the Galaxy again? I have no idea. I, I don't remember. Something Douglas. <laughs> I remember one of his like catchphrases was, "I love deadlines, like the whooshing sound they make as they go by me." Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Something to that effect, anyway. Um, well, those those are all really cool. And of course, if you guys want to check out Jeff Stevens' stuff, head on over to DMs Guild. And if you type in Jeff Stevens, you'll see all the stuff he's attached to, <laughs> which is a lot. <laughs> Not a short list. Um, so that is uh, that is pretty cool. We kind of already touched on a little bit about the crew that you work with. That kind of went with it. Is is there any particular people that you've worked with that have really stood out and have really had a, a a big impact in your development process, like the way you do things. Benoit really helped with the layout. I mean, when when uh, he and I first started talking, you know, it was like he's like, you know, you could really make that look a lot better with the layout. Um, and so he he helped me with that. But you know, one of the cool things with it is um, just being on Twitter, Facebook, all these other things is looking for artists. Oh, yeah. You know, and trying to hunt down an artist that that can really capture the style and everything. And I found that with uh, with a couple of artists. Uh, Daniel Walthall, um is in the U.S. Uh, Luis Prado is in Brazil, and he's done a lot of the interior work for my Encounters books. Mm-hmm. So he drew the, he drew the Stiggy Tong. He drew the the Chief Yum Yum. You know, he did all that. And then uh, Natalie um, Leonard out of uh, France has done the covers for Jungles and Savage. Uh, savage cities okay and i love her style too and she's actually done some more art and so you know finding those people um they've just really stood out as far as what they've been able to produce for me and, and elven tower cartography the maps he's been able to produce um as far as writing i mean there's something great about each of those encounters so right. i can't really tell you that you know this person stands out more than the other because sure. they've all got their own style oh, yeah so that's what I, I think. That's what also makes uh, your and I kind of leading into this next question that really set uh, set your guys's um, product uh, 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 apart from everyone else is it's not just one style contained in a book. It's you get a little bit of taste of all these different strategies. And if there's one thing we know as D and D players is that all DMs are different. They all have got their own taste, their only their own their own flavor that makes something that they do different than everyone else's and you guys kind of in, in, encompass that in your your product, which is awesome. I mean, definitely. Right. There's there's so many styles out there. I, I the way I like to break it down is generally speaking it's 50% role playing and 50% game, but people like certain ratios a little bit better than others. Mm-hmm. So, is there anything else you think that makes uh, your your savage encounters and, and uh, really stand out ahead of the rest from other DM products? That I, that's just, I mean, you get a lot of content for uh, you know a decent price. I think you know, mm-hmm. and and it looks fairly good. Um, you know, yes, I want to make money, but I also want to provide something that people are going to be able to afford, you know, and use because I can't produce these these this material without making money. You know, I, I right. wish I could, but I just can't give give the money away. I, right, I don't right. make enough in my own job to to pay for the production. So I, you know, I I make money. I put more money into it, and um, sure, that's just how I've been able to create some cool covers, hire uh, independent independent artists, you know, and 
it just feels really good to be able to do that, to, to actually share the money that I make with other creators as far as right. artists and, and writers and that type of thing. So does DMs Guild have like a, a setup where you can say this person gets a certain amount or do you collect it all and then pay out individually? How does that work? No, I can – whenever I, I – uh, publish the title. I can say, you know, so and so gets this much, so and so gets this much, and okay. and once it's set, I can't change it. I have to. I would have to email um, one bookshelf for the DMs Guild contact um, and ha- ask them to change it. I'm I'm not allowed to make any changes once it's in there. Oh, so you can't be like this guy's so been I a can- dickhead to me. He's getting one percent. Right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the whole contracts yeah. thing. Like, so, in a way. you know, that's cool. Those splits happen. So whenever one sells, you know, I only see my portion. Everybody else sees their portion right. the moment it sells. That's so Which cool. Is, yeah, it's pretty cool. It seems like they've had a lot of time to really um, get that that process down. Um, so can you kind of walk us through your, your uh, development process a little bit? I mean, you can get as little detailed or as detailed as you want, but... <laughs> I, I wish I had a better development process. Um, <laughs> I come up, I, basically, I come up with an idea, and then I, I make a, a few notes on it, and then I start emailing people. I say, hey... I got this idea. How about we do this? Can you write this and this <laughs> for me? I'll it? send you a word template. Oh, wait. Let me do it on this image. You know, I'm sure a lot of my writers would be like, he needs to get his act together because I'm tired <laughs> of getting emails and then a template and then an image, you know. Um, you know, and I try I try and set a deadline, but I'm fairly lenient with the deadline, um, you know, but I, I need those those pieces back because I can't go on to the next step until right, I get right, all the pieces. You know, development process though. You know, I just I've just kind of learned to relax a little bit on it. You know, right. I, I go I go out there and I I get the idea for the the cover art. Mm-hmm. I contract that out. Um, so I've I've got that ahead of the ahead of um, you know production. I've actually got uh, for one of my adventures. I commissioned the art last fall. Or no, I'm sorry. I commissioned the art last spring, and I still haven't written the adventure. It's awesome though. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I don't want to tell. I don't want to talk about it, but it's right, pretty, it's pretty sweet. Um, um, so, uh, what kind of uh, challenges do you run into during your uh, this whole development process? I know you mentioned the whole thing about yeah, the whole thing about the deadlines. Right. You know, you think you think you're going to be at a deadline, and and then you hit that deadline, you're like, ah, oh, now what? And then you're worried right. about pushing it right, right. too fast after the deadline when it's not ready. You know, and then also never being satisfied with the product. Really. Um, no, yeah. I, I can believe that because I have, especially in college, cut quite a few videos, and I still cut videos for work, obviously, because I work for the news. Mm-hmm. And I've always keep thinking to myself, I'm not happy with this. I feel like this could be better. In some ways, I'm not sure how it could be better. I just feel like it could be. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right because there's um, so much that you could do slightly different you know, in everything. Did I miss a typo? You know, we're all humans. Even our editors are going to miss something. Uh, there's going to be a grammar mistake somewhere. And some oh, dick yeah. is going to let you know about it in a dickhead way. Somebody's going to let you know about it, exactly. I found, um, personally, anyway, the easiest way to handle stuff like that is to get up and walk away from the product and just give it some time just so you're away from it. Then when you sit back down, you kind of have a more clear, refreshed head. Right. And then you go. And Ian, I, I agree with you completely there. <laughs> I, I put a product down for a, for about a month before. Right. Come back to it with a fresh head, and, and, it, and, it, and it, it helps. But there's still always that, well, you know, after thinking about something, well, I didn't account for this. You know, maybe I should have written that in there. But eventually, you just have to, to step back and say it's done. Okay. You know? And sometimes, too, what you picture, what you th- – having your head is not what you put on paper even though it's what exactly. you think you put on paper that happens every that, time i write that something is, that's the one thing with dm or with writers that uh, yeah. you know 
you've got the whole thing in your head is what it looks like and everything, but then that doesn't come out, you know, when somebody reads it. And right, um, right, right. You know, it's how to how to make that right. So, do you have any ways that you've overcome, you know, the 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 trying to help reach your deadline? Or I know you mentioned, you know, finding artists is pretty difficult. Uh, are there any techniques or anything you've you've done to help overcome some of those challenges to to improve your process? You know, with the deadline anymore, I don't. I set a deadline, but then I know it's going to go over. So <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I don't stress out about it anymore. Um, one of the things I need to do is not take on so many projects and just focus on one. <laughs> right. uh, but it's, so it's difficult because, you know, and I, I told myself this year, I was like, I'm going to slow down. Well, I've got five projects going on right now. <laughs> and it just happens. You know, you, you start does. one and you're like, you, you see something like, oh, wait, that would be awesome if we did that. So yeah. contact a couple people. Let's do this. All right, let's do it. You know, and then I'm writing adventures also independent or uh, single adventures. And it's just, yeah, when I mean, when you're a writer and a creator, you just want to keep doing it. It's hard yeah. to step away. That's awesome. There are so much worse addictions to have. So that's yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Um, so I, I have to ask, and in, in all the all the experience you have, and all the things you've released, do you do you have a favorite encounter from your own material? Uh, it's gonna be Sticky Tongue. Oh, what what a coincidence! Because that was the one I picked for the encounter of the podcast. Yep. As soon as you said I. I can pick one. Um, so we won't we'll, – we'll, we'll uh, leave it at that. Do you have a second favorite that way? Because we're going to talk about Sticky Tongue in a minute. Do you have a, like a second favorite? I do. Uh, out of Encounters in the Savage uh, Frontier, Tobar. Okay. Can you tell he, us a little he, bit about that without too much? Sure. He's, uh, a, he's a hill giant who's hungry, um, <laughs> and he likes elves. And so if your party happens to have an elf in it, he will offer you a uh, magical sword to trade if you give him the elf. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's scary because some parties just might do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. He's hungry. He's like, I got this sword. I'll trade you the sword for the elf. Oh, and especially if you got an elf that just irritates the hell out of everyone. Yep. That goes like, um, <laughs> What kind of magic sword do you have? <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, I and love so that the, idea. At, the, at that point, the DM could change it to a warhammer or whatever they wanted in order to entice the adventurers, oh, yeah. you know, the party, and say, "I've got this uh, dwarven thrower here that uh, <laughs> you know, I don't need." And it's, and it's small in his hands, you know, so <laughs> it's just dangling there. around. Yeah. It's like it's like yeah. a uh, like a keychain. It's like strapped to his belt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of like on what I forget which uh, Facebook page it is, but one player asked like, uh, "I want to put Mjolnir into the game. How should I do that?" And I post like. You can put it in the game. You can put stats for it. They just can't pick it up. I saw that right. post. <laughs> I'm pretty sure That's I had great. a picture of uh, Thor going this. <laughs> Something like that, anyway. That would be horrible to put the ultimate powerful weapon right within their reach, and then they can't do nothing with it. They can't pick it up. They can't move it. You're you're a dick. <laughs> yeah. J- yeah. One of our patrons may have discovered that a little bit during our <laughs> dragon session. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to elaborate on that? Okay, he thought my character was evil when he was good, so he just decided to let his character's dick slip through. Then went nope. Yeah, he tried to uh, he tried to charm one of the 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 allies. Yep. So they're in they're in a crown of madness. Actually. Yeah, they, he used crown of madness on an ally. And Ian decided to counterspell it, like no. And then he tried to counterspell. He tried to counter. He counterspelled his counterspell. So the stupid crown still went through. He ended up enchanting the stupid um, good guy, the the ultimate leader guy, and 
he started to attack a servant, so uh, Ian's like, um, banish. And so he banished this commander guy into another dimension. <laughs> I'm like, I don't. I had to stop the game because I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah, <laughs> I was I like, a similar situation once when I was playtesting something. I'm like, uh, banishment? What? That doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, that may have happened there in combat cover too, just before that. Yeah, well, yeah, and that made that made it worse. You should have been on. I let you. You shouldn't have got. So, I shouldn't have let you take a short rest, stupid warlock. <laughs> <laughs> I took those dragons. Banish. What? Uh, I, I, I banished a dragon. <laughs> all right. So um, before we finish out the main topic, I do have to ask, is there any secret uh, projects you're working on um, that you can give us a little taste of? I know you mentioned uh, the first one's the, free. The, 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 vil- the villains. <laughs> the villains. And, <laughs> yeah. The villains and layers project I'm working on. I'll probably, probably see that in about six weeks or so. Um, uh, also working on another uh, piece for the Tomb of Annihilation project. Uh, system uh, or a uh, campaign there's uh, a bunch of mines listed in Chult, and so sean merwin tony patrick and i are putting together a mines of Chult book um that'll be a bunch of small encounters you'll be able to just as a dm pick up and, and pick one of them and use if your party gets into the mines um sounds cool working on a new adventure i have a couple of uh, uh created content al adventures that are going to be preparing at some conventions Oh, uh, I'm wow. pretty excited about that. AL legal, so happy about that That's one. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I know. I was I was excited. <laughs> I got into the group, and and uh, one of them is in uh, to- at Total Con premiering in just a couple weeks. Um, actually, it'll actually pre- premiere by the time this air- airs. Um, oh, cool. So yeah, I'm really excited for that to come out. I'm also doing some writing for the Dark World's world setting. Um, Patrick Pullen put together a uh, setting that he's been thinking about for quite some time. It's called Dark World, and it's on Facebook. You can go out there to Facebook and search Dark World and be added to that uh, that Facebook page. It's a pretty cool setting. So, you know, that's some of the stuff I'm working on now. And then so always awesome. have ideas for adventures. I'm, I'm fairly <laughs> um, visual. You know, if I see a picture or something, then I, I kind of think, boom, hey, this is uh, this can make a good adventure. Now, yeah, actually, Dragon's Breath Tavern was inspired by um, the uh, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, the name is escaping me. Um, what's the vampire bar? Uh, I'm from Dust Till Dawn. I was going to say, yeah. I don't know. I haven't actually watched a lot of Quentin Tarantino. Only uh, I've seen Kill Bill. From Dust Till Dawn's probably the best. <laughs> really? I'll have to check it out. My dad was a big good Tarantino fan, but I only ever seen Kill Bill. Um, though I'm yeah. pretty sure I watched one where his like nuts were melting once. I don't know what one that one was, but that was one of his flicks, and I was just like, "Yeah, that's not my thing." But I'll check out that's the, not the, my thing either. <laughs> check out the dusk from dusk till dawn. From dusk till dawn, I'll check that out. Yeah. Um, you uh, you actually uh, mentioned to me you have a a, a new uh, a newsletter that people can subscribe to. What mm-hmm. uh, yeah. what kind of uh, content is in that? I'll, I'll be uh, sharing uh, new and upcoming things. Um, some. Just uh, thoughts on, on production, some thoughts that I've come across, or, or uh, uh, not really thoughts, but um, I guess I could say thoughts on reviews and that type of thing. You know, because mm-hmm. there's different kinds of reviewers, and one reviewer might like something, and the other reviewer might might not like it, and so it's really you really have to take reviews with a grain of salt. Right, you know? right. It's um, you're not going to appease everyone, so yeah. it's just just little things that. Uh, production ideas that type of thing very cool um if you're interested you can actually find a link in our show notes um uh for jeff stevens uh newsletter and get access to that is that monthly or 
Uh, it's going to be infrequent. So you might see something monthly. You might get something when I release a product saying, hey, I've just released a product. So check it out. You know, it may be something quarterly. It, it all depends. And okay. I don't want to I don't want to bombard people with emails. And oh, right. For so. sure. Yeah, I know the feeling. I have this uh, service for my subscribers where I can send them direct emails. And like, I'm always afraid to because they're like, oh, I'm going to unsubscribe to this a hooks. He keeps sending me junk. But literally right. ha- had it for a year. I've sent maybe five emails because I'm so paranoid about it. I just like, yeah. These are really big events that are going on. Here you go. Um, it's it's just like promoted on Facebook and Twitter. You know, right. where's the where's the line of I've done it too much? You know, <laughs> yeah. that's that's all I'm known as. All you're gonna do is promote. You know, <laughs> for sure. But that's the only way for for us to get our names out there is promotion through Facebook and Twitter and social media. That's yeah. the only way for people to notice us. So and talking on podcasts, right? And talking on podcasts. I'm very uh, grateful for this opportunity. I'm having a blast. Yeah. Um, so I think that'll do it for our main topic today. Uh, before we move on to our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. Compliments of Loresmith. Loresmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Jeff, who's our winner today? The winner today is WGE89. Awesome. We're huge dorks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can only see you dancing, oh, you know, well, so I don't good. know what Ian's yeah. doing. Well, it's is not... he just looking at you like, what? Is, what, what? Sometimes. The, the first, like, 20 Sometimes. episodes, yeah, he just looked at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? <laughs> I'm like, but now Ian gets down? Um, Sometimes. Sometimes. I, I, is he whipping Nene? Heck no. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you just opened the kettle of worms that we tried to keep close for a long time now. <laughs> So you haven't mentioned something. There, there was an episode where a listener submitted a character concept where they wielded a whip and a rapier, and they uh-huh. didn't give me a name. And I happened to be at work, and that song came on. So I named it The Whip and Nene. And we give you so yeah. much crap for that. <laughs> and later that, that, that listener came on and said, I'd just like to apologize to all the Crit Nation that The Whip and Nene is not the name I gave that, and for anything other submissions from here on out will be named so he doesn't do it. <laughs> and that is why yeah um so uh moving on to our fourth and final segment we have our unearthed tips and tricks where we bring creative content for you to bring with you on your next adventure our character concept today was submitted by listener troy zeisler it's called cat nip fever the tabaxi drunken fist now when he texted this to me i uh I was, I was, I was a little bit, uh, <laughs> it was, it didn't sound as good when he first texted it. And then as he added content to it, I was like, this is getting better and better. Um, <laughs> so what it is, is you replace the alcohol addiction to catnip with catnip, right? Um, you, instead of having the traditional, uh, brewer proficiency, um, he's not making ale, he's making fermented catnip. 
He's a tabaxi. We can't stress this enough. <laughs> right, right. Himself and other tabaxi are horribly addicted to said beverage or, or product, whatever you want or to call herbs. it. Or herbs. Yeah, well, my cats are addicted to it. Um, but all other races find it absolutely vile and disgusting. It gives off a rancid smell and stinks up every building that, <laughs> that it's in. And um, on our show, we have a legendary... Uh, uh, ale that's known as bourbon toe from a player who joined us and it just it's kind of been a thing non-stop since except for in this case instead of everybody wanting it it's um kind of the other way where get the hell out of my store i don't want your shit type of uh, uh <laughs> idea and um basically he's made a name for himself um as this uh nasty shit selling <laughs> ale or what what have you i am not gonna lie keep I keep flashing to the moment of the first time I gave the two cats catnip, and one in particular, I'd like a pure stoner for the longest time afterwards. <laughs> Scratching himself. What do you uh, What do you think about something like this, uh, Jeff? I like the uh, the himself and other tabaxi are horribly addicted to it. I just uh, had a had a vision of um, the last call at the bar where they're down to one fermented drink left of it. And all the tabaxi just pump, just pile, you know, dog pile onto the bar to get that one last drink. That'd be awesome. Dog pile for cats? I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That Cat makes pile. Me, that makes me think of the episode of uh, Futurama when the, you find out that anchovies went extinct because Zoeber's race was heavily addicted to it. So when they found the last can, he just oh, went nuts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. That was a good episode. Yeah. Um, the, the idea, I mean, this is a pretty interesting idea because you're not... First of all, I've never seen it, but it introduces something that I think gets either overlooked or gets uh, um, ignored all in general, and that's drugs. Because that's essentially yeah. what it is, right? Well, in D&D anyway. Play well, Shadowrun, that's a different story altogether. <laughs> um, now, uh, Jeff, have you uh, seen or, or run any adventures that have dealt with um, something that creates an addiction? I don't. Okay. Now, the, there was in, in Curse of Strahd where um, there's a pie that you eat and you like really like the pie. And so there's, you know, there's a hint of it there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but no, typically I, I try and leave that out of my writing. Um, I, I feel that's up to the DM to add it if they want to. Right, right. And that's and I kind of feel that way with this because that's basically what's going on here is this person's trying to pitch. I mean, and alcohol, in my opinion, is a drug. People have right. an addiction to it. And this yeah. is this. But this type of drug where people can be going crazy for. I mean, can you imagine this this monk just going out the back of a thing? Hey, you come here. Come here. Want some yeah. catnip? No, it's a great idea. <laughs> I mean, it, personally, my home game. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Is there anything you guys would do to enhance this character concept? Some some sort of maybe mannerism or, or, or personality trait that kind of fits with the mm, I'd addiction? say it depends on the player. Okay. Yeah. I'd say, it, it, yeah, exactly. It'd be a whole role play thing for the individual to kind of come up with their own little quirks for it. Yeah. You know, yep. hey, psst, you know, that whole, hey, psst, come here, hey. I got something for you. The first one's Just free. Scratch it, scratching their neck. The first, the first bit of it. Yes, it's free. You're gonna love it. You gotta try it. Come on, come on, come on. Right. Well, I, hope, I hope he never runs out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. See, there, there's a part of it. What happens when he does run out? He, yeah. Maybe you don't give him an opportunity to make more. until he finds it again. <laughs> His perception's like a two. Like, wait, right. what? Did you guys hear that? You, you don't hear that? I'm sure I heard something. No, you didn't. <laughs> Must have more, 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 more. I just, more, I more. think that would. I feel like if the player, depending on how mechanic heavy the player is, this could be a lot of fun. If you're not so worried about like taking disadvantage, you could get gradually make yourself crazier. 
Yeah, like, I need more. Exactly. Need more. Gotta, gotta, gotta. It's a great flaw. <laughs> yeah. Let's put it that way. I mean, you know, a flaw for a character. I mean, this is a great one. Yeah. Um, so that'll do it for our character concept, uh, Catnip Fever. By the way, Troy, um, you didn't give this a name, and this is the second one I've named for you. So if they don't like it, that's on you now. Because <laughs> he's the one that submitted the, 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 the quote-unquote whip and nene. Um, all right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> our monster variant of the day is... We have the Sapperfish. The origin is originally the equipper, but... We give it the ability called Sap Strength. When a creature is hit by the bite of the Sapperfish, it has its stamina sapped, and they begin to experience high levels of fatigue. The target must make a DC 13 con save or suffer one level of exhaustion. I can get vicious pretty fast. <laughs> so I actually created this um, for a, a low-level group I was running through. They keep wandering, and they constantly want to search for water and food and all that stuff. And I don't usually get too heavy into that. But I thought, well, what happens if he goes and drinks from the wrong fountain? Or if they wander through the, the wrong um, lake or river? So I decided that I was going to add the quipper. But I was like, man, they're kind of lame, though. They don't, they don't have any, enough oomph. What, can I, what else can I do? I was like, well, what happens if they, like... Uh, they, they disease them or something, or because I've done that too, where they've drank water out of the wrong lake and they've gotten diseases. Um, so I came up with this guy here, uh, a way to affect them beyond their first encounter with the, 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 the fish. What do you uh, think about something like this, Jeff? As an I kind of like guy. it. Yeah, it uh, reminds me of like a like a, or a, a different name would be like a taser fish where they get hit by a you know electric <laughs> shock and just wears them out. You know, with a taser, you know, and it's I like it. Uh, Maybe if you have leeches on crack. Leeches on crack? <laughs> leeches on crack. I dig it. Actually, I kind of find it interesting that you use that as an example for when plates look for food because this reminds me of an encounter we one time did in Pathfinder and we broke a few rules to do this, mind you, but the deem I like because it's hilarious. What's that? Well, our our characters were basically escaped prisoners and we had very low provisions, so we made the druid cast a summon animal so we could kill it and eat it. Yeah. And, uh,. I mean, that's what the spell's for, right? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are terrible yeah. people. Yeah. And the way the spell's supposed to work is a creature is supposed to show up after one hour. Like, one hour goes by, nothing appears. Another hour goes by, and a giant sloth slowly meanders through the, out of the forest. <laughs> I'm like, excellent. I'm this far away, and I'm the archer. I can probably kill it before it gets to us. I shoot it. It comes mad. It charges at the group. Goes for the druid that summoned it. That's funny. Wait, wait, wait. We kill it, and they're trying to uh, skin it. Six raptors appeared out of the jungle, started attacking nice. us. So to get to the, the corpse, we kill those. And uh, when we were, we were resting, turned out that the area, the rooms we were parked in, were actually had some like uh, necromatic rituals tied in there. So all the corpses of the raptors and the they killed, they came back to life and attacked us. <laughs> it, it was crazy. Do you know what's what's worse than summoning animals to kill them? Casting speak with plants while you're eating a salad. <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, I really like this. What kind of uh, scenarios can you see arising for this? Because uh, I used it to weaken them before they went into another encounter. Stick these guys in a, in, a, in a tomb or something, you know, where they have to cross the the lake or um, little pool that they're in, you know, and, and it saps them right down. So, you know, it takes them down a level with the next challenge. Good, good idea. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and the thing is, is it doesn't take the players very long to kill these. They have, like, what, like three hit points or something like that. Now, they do have, like, the... Um, the swarm feature, the, the right. clipper has the, so it does take a little couple extra hits, but once they get them, they're not going to suffer damage. They're going to suffer 
in a different way. And that's one thing I'm, I'm very uh, big on is what other ways can I make the characters suffer without just directly sapping HP? Because honestly, there's a million ways to take away HP. There's far less to sap their hit dice or their uh, exhaustion levels, which pile up quick. Because for those of you that don't know, you can only remove one level of exhaustion at a time per long right. rest, which... If you get the five, is it five or six? It's it's nasty. You die. Yeah, I want to say <laughs> so, I want to say that's six, but don't quote me on that. Yeah. So um, so that uh, any other um, pointers on that? Any? Nope. Nope. Okay, that is our monster variant, the Sapperfish. Jeff, would you like to tell everyone yes. about our encounter of the podcast? Yeah, our encounter of the podcast uh, actually comes from one of my encounters, the uh, the Savage Jungles Encounters book. Uh, it's called Stiggy Tong. I love it. Um, yeah, the it's actually. The name comes from uh, local tribe people who call it Stiggy Tong, and that's because it is a, it's it's very rarely seen. It's a large, consider it a chameleon-like dinosaur. Um, I I see it in my head as a T-Rex with a long Stiggy tongue. So put that chameleon tongue on us on the T-Rex with the uh, camouflage ability, and that's it. It just hangs out in the along a path, waiting for uh, adventurers to walk by. It nabs the one in the rear, and then um, it, people either find it or they don't. <laughs> And I, I love I love this encounter because first, it targets the person in the back of the formation, and that's not something you see all that often. Where hey, you get in a formation, the guy, the tank up front, the weakling in the back, and hey, Jeff, how are you, Jeff? Where's Jeff? <laughs> you know, and I noticed that um, if I remember right, once it grabs them, it instantly they're 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 grappled and it's in their mouth, right? That's that's how yeah. it works. And yeah, and there's a there's a roll on it to see if it actually if it uh, if it grapples them so they can't yell. So there's a possibility that they could yell out as they're being pulled back, um, but there's also the possibility that its tongue actually covers the mouth so they can't. You know, yeah. There's perception checks. You know, do you hear that little smack of the tongue on the person's back? That type right. of thing. But but yeah, it it could be nasty for people. Clever girl, and and I, <laughs> I was waiting right? for that to come up. Um, I really like this because even though it comes out of Savage Jungle, I can see that you easily reflavoring the chameleon to fit to be or not even reflavor it, fitting it in like a like a sand dune or a um, sure or like a a dark cave where it blends into the walls and and and, and just sucking people away and then running. Because really, I in my opinion, a, a beast like that isn't out to kill the players. It's out to eat. So it snaps one, it goes, and it runs. So now right. you've changed a combat encounter to a chase encounter. And that's when I first thought of this, when I first read this, that's what I thought of is this thing eating somebody and just running away. And if it's got like a halfling or something in its mouth, <laughs> it almost fits the whole way in. And and. Personally, for me, I thought this was, when I was reading through, it was one of my favorite ones, and it turned out it was one of your favorite ones, too, which is awesome. Um, I also like the Yum Yum one, uh, which is all about cannibals, and yum, yum. I, I highly recommend checking it out. You guys got to pick up his book. It's awesome. As, as the creator of this, have you gotten any, like, um, responses from anybody that's played it and maybe changed it a little bit in a way you weren't expecting or anything like that? I haven't, I haven't yet. I haven't heard anything yet on it. Okay, I'd well. love to, but but as you said, you know, you know, putting it in a desert scene or something, or just change it. That's the beautiful thing about D and D and the monsters is, you know, they can you they can be written and 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 uh, described one way, but you can change the flavor on them and however you want, you know, oh, yeah, and make absolutely. this into like a what a uh, horned lizard or something like that in in the in the desert, a giant horned lizard or something. Yeah, I um, like, or even a giant plant. I think this would make yeah. an awesome plant. Just <laughs> they walk by it and it's, it just snaps them up. Boom. <laughs> on them. Or a uh, Slender Man with extendable arms. 
Oh, that's cool, and it just can reach really far? Yeah. Um, very cool. I love this encounter, and I can't wait to run it uh, for my players. Um, thank you so much for submitting it and letting us use it, Jeff. The encounter of the podcast, Stiggy Tong. Stiggy Tong. Stiggy Tong. Stiggy Tong. And it's really funny because when I first read that, I didn't catch it until I actually was reading the adventure. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense now. (laughs) Um, Awesome. Uh, That'll do it for our encounter. Our magic item is also submitted by you, uh, Jeff. Um, Would you like to talk us a little bit about this cursed trinket? I think this is our first item. It is a cursed trinket. It's called the key to something. Um, Basically, whoever touches the key is cursed. Um, they, uh, think that the key opens a lock and will be obsessed with finding the lock that it operates. Anytime <laughs> you're near a keyhole, you will attempt to use the key to see if it operates the lock. Uh, you will keep this key in your possession until you find the lock that it operates. Um, in addition, the key is always in your possession and you will not want to give it away, sell it or leave it. And the curse remains in effect until you are targeted by this removed curse spell or similar magic, or you find the, the lock that it opens. Nice. I just want to say I love the idea of this, like a rogue getting this who has to be at the top of the initiative. All right, guys, let's go. Door. And just like top of the initiative, first thing he does is run to the door and tries to open it. I just, to me, that had me cracking up inside when I put that on here. And I love items like this that aren't directly like combat related, but have some sort of personality to them. And this really does. When I... While I was writing this, I was thinking, you know, the guy, a fighter or somebody holds this thing, and, and you're in a big meeting with uh, the the mayor of the town or something, and he's got chests and locks all over the place, and, <laughs> you know, trying to sneak around and, and put the key in the lock, see if it opens it, you know, just kind of sneaking. What are you doing? Oh, nothing. <laughs> he's, um, like, backing up against stuff, saying, yeah, yeah, right, that's interesting. Exactly. As he's got the other hand put, trying to unlock the door or unlock the, the shelf or whatever he's got it on. I love items like this. And actually, this is the second key we've had in the last couple weeks. Something like that, yeah. Uh, We had another key uh, key submitted by a a patron donor that when you put it in a door, it opened up an extra-dimensional pocket into a room that is resets every time you shut the door. I like it. Uh, And then whenever you open the door, you can come out any door you can imagine. So it was a teleport thing. It was very cool. And this is is just, just as cool, man. I love I love it. And... Um, Ian, uh, what kind of funny scenarios can you imagine, interesting scenarios can you imagine with something like this? Oh, walking to the wrong guild. (laughs) 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 You're walking around, this isn't my guild, Uh, whatever, I'm going to try every lock while I'm in here. Oh, man. Like going going into like like uh, an inn and trying every door. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, actually, picture... It's one thing to, to walk into a merchant's guild this key, but picture actually walking into a thieves' guild. Oh no! I, I can see a lot of fun coming out of this, and or or a, a player carries this and they see a chest and they immediately go to open it. Yeah, <laughs> and it could be trapped before it, before it, uh, <laughs> check for traps or something. Or it's a mimic. Oh man! A mimic. Uh, we had a mimic outhouse in a recent episode. Uh, a recent. Oh, game. that's awesome! Oh, it's so much fun. It's beautiful. I mean. <laughs> Great thinking. Yeah. I mean, kind of in the same vein, though, I've said before, though, I, I know I have to say this every time I mention a Thieves or Assassin's Guild, but if you're a famous Thieves or Assassin's Guild, you're not doing it right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. uh, any other uh, pointers on this magic item? I think we got a pretty good lid, lid down on this one. Yeah. Um, that'll do it for our magic item of the podcast, The Key to Something, submitted by Jeff Stevens. Thank you. Uh, now our dungeon master tip now i'll be honest i've been sitting on this forever and i don't know why it's never made it into the episode 
It's a good tip. Um, yeah, I Lee, Lee, our patron Lee submitted this thing probably like a three months ago at least. And for some reason, I'm just now getting to it. Our DM tip of the podcast is use music and sound effects to set the mood. Do you, Jeff, do you ever use music when you play? I don't because I'm 47 years old and I don't know how to use the internet that well to find, the, <laughs> find these things. So, so this little list of, uh, of audio stuff is going to be great for me now. Uh, yes. So um, we have a, a list that was submitted by uh, Lee. Now, personally, I like to use music. Um, sometimes I use it more than others. We did. We ran yeah. the haunt that I got from DMs Guild. Uh, I yep. ran the haunt, which is an amazing adventure if you haven't read it. Is it is amazing. Yeah, Phil did a great job uh, with that one. And I ran it in that, and that really added the creepy factor to the game. Mind you, I also had all the lights off, and we were in candlelight. But Yeah. Um, and then you had Alicia banging the door at oh you. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> so I, re- I pre- pre-set up with my wife that at a certain time, she's to come and pound on the door. Uh, That's great. Oh, it scared the piss out of everyone. They're like... <laughs> I wish I would have captured their facial expressions because it was priceless. Because he timed it right because she was calling to his phone. Um, so That's great. I think that the music really helped set the tone for that. Oh, yeah. And not just that. Like when you're doing boss battles, too, it can really get the heart pumping. And Lee has given us a couple examples of that. At SoundCloud.com slash Ultimate RPG, there's a, a, a big list of, of resources there. You got uh, Fannery.com, uh, P-H-N-A-R-Y. Uh, I haven't personally been to that one, um, but I trust Lee's judgment. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's quite a few lists in our show notes that you can check out. But the, the two that I really want to uh, – or the three others that I really want to point out on this list is in Competech.com, our opening music – comes from Kevin McLeod, who does uh, runs that site. I used actually the his music for a lot of projects in college too. Right, because it's royalty free, and all you have to do is credit it to him. Right, which is awesome because he's got thousands of songs. But more importantly, the next one is BattleBards.com, and he has a lot of content on BattleBards.com. Um, yeah. Battle Bards is awesome for like sound effects and like dragon roars and, and, and beastly noises and you know you know they got little noises for like traps and stuff. So when somebody triggers a trap, you can go, you know, and it does that nice. sort of stuff. And then uh, a lot of that stuff is rolled into <laughs> rolled into rolled into roll twenty as well. <laughs> um, roll twenty's got a jukebox, and actually, uh, when I run our games here, I'm using roll twenty, even though I'm not using the the platform. Right. I'm just using the uh, the music jukebox. So definitely, I recommend uh, uh, music if you don't use it, even if it's just a repeating loop in the background that you can just change occasionally. I mean, shoot, you can even create a uh, playlist on YouTube. Oh, there you go. See, I didn't even think about that. And then yeah. just let it run or pa- pick the one you want for each setting. Right. See, I didn't know you could do that either. I'm, <laughs> I'm, it helps to have I'm that. Not, I'm not tech savvy anymore. Yeah. It helps to have the ad blocker installed though on your browser. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> what I've done is I have a, a Bluetooth speaker as well, and I can just stream from my phone. And once again, uh, just having a little bit of... Um, music. The, my favorite is the tavern. You can get the tavern noise. That it's it's chitter chitter chatter from what's going on in the tavern. You can hear people slamming back drinks. You can hear them hitting the tables. That really adds to that that scenario and really can make your game uh, that much more involved. So. I can see that too. I mean, because just you think you talking about that there, um, and me thinking about when when they were in taverns, my my own group. And you know, adding that uh, that background to set the ambiance and the mood and everything, I, I could really see where that would be, that would be helpful. Yeah, uh, I actually remember one time when I was running an adventure league game, and the uh, players in a swamp ended up fighting some pretty redneck uh, half ogres. And just as a gag, in the background, I had doing banjos put in the background. 
nice. in combat. Oh, I like that. Which then uh, segued onto the YouTube playlist because like, the next song which happened to be uh, a Red Deck version of Thunderstruck. <laughs> <laughs> which sounded way better than it had, had any business sounding. Uh, yeah, so I, I highly recommend if you haven't tried using music, use one of these uh, sources and try it at least once. You will be... Oh, now that does add additional prep time, which, yeah, can suck. But even if you just pick, like, three, you pick one that's going to be playing the majority of the time, one that's going to play during the battle, and then maybe one special scenario. Maybe it's a very tense, you know, uh, uh, diplomatic moment, and you want to have a very subtle, you know, conversation in the background or, or something along those lines. It really enhances the game. I highly recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> that's- well, I, I want to say thank you to Lee Pierce for submitting this. This is great. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure he's going to be like, finally, asshole, I sent that to you forever ago. <laughs> well, Lee, you do send us a lot of stuff. Yeah, he did, and I do get a, uh, yeah, he's, I have literally an entire document of brainstorms, and then I have one just from Lee. <laughs> it's it's um, true, I've seen it. <laughs> so that is our Dungeon Master tip from patron Lee Pierce. Use music and sound effects to set the mood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you did not sound anything like Barry White, I'm just saying. Don't be a dick. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> Our uh, player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a dick. dick. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just go. Uh, and you can avoid dickitude by doing reconnaissance. This is this is a big deal. Um, yep. In a lot of games, and, and and I don't, and I can't say a lot of games. The games that I've been a part of, um, most people just say, "Oh, there's my quest. Go to." point B in the cave and kill the goblins. Um, I've never had an experience where the player said, all right, we're going to break up into two groups. You're going to go around the outside and watch for patrols that might come around, and I'm going to go and see if there's any uh, additional scouts hiding in the trees or any other guards that are out of line of sight. Or, um, you know, they don't, they don't, I don't generally have them ask me or come up with a strategy to seek out patrols or look for obvious defenses. Do you guys run into that? In most games, yes. And once again, I think it depends on which group you're in. But in Shadowrun, though, we do hardcore reconnaissance though before each mission. I think that game requires you to, or you'll die. I I, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Um, maybe a couple times, but a lot of times, you know, they'll just charge right in and and go for it. Yeah, and. So it makes me think more that I should uh, develop more encounters where they can't do that. Like, maybe, okay, they can't... If they do this, this other patrol is going to come up behind them and, 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 and pincer attack them from behind because they didn't take the time to watch. I think yeah. the closest no, I've perfect. seen, though, in the games that you ran was when we came to that one fortress in Storm King's Thunder. One guy actually decided to, to search for the trap door while one guy decided to wild ship into a bird and fight over the wall while I'm like, I'm just going to use Mage Hand to... Put a rope up there and climb up. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's hard to get players to think like this because most of them just want to get right in and kill stuff. But I bet if we challenged them more, like, uh, well, you charged right in, you ignored the patrol, and you didn't, uh, you didn't uh, try to dis- disable the giant uh, crossbows that are on top of the ramparts. So now you're a pin cushion for bolts, and you're being stabbed in the ass while this other guy's uh, kicking you in the balls. So next time they know, right? Yeah. Well, you I mean, hope. I mean, this, that in, that encounter, right? Next, they've learned something, hopefully. Right. Do you remember that one time I messaged, messaged you a webcomic where it showed like like a team of adventurers like a, p- p- playing out what their plan was to invade the fortress? Yeah. But then it zoomed out, and, and the girls were like, 
We we can hear you. We can see you. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I I've, I've been wanting to do this for a while, um, but I've only a couple times had like uh, messengers come and go from my adventures. Um, but I bet if a player was to say, "Hey, I'd like to watch for any sort of messenger coming and going uh, as I scout out the area." If they did that, I would turn around and, and make sure that that happened, that they gained some sort of piece of information because they thought to say, hey, I'm going to wait because somebody's got to be sharing information between point A and point B. If they decided they want to, I want to tail and ambush uh, a messenger and see if I can learn any additional information, you bet your ass I'd make sure that that happened. Right, um, right. Uh, or if they decide, uh, as a player, you know, disguise yourself and, and, and try to just walk in and, and chit-chat with some of the some of the, the locals or maybe just kind of sneak around and then say, I'm going to go in, I'm going to sneak around, I'm going to gather, you know, an idea of who's there and what they're doing and leave. Because you've got so many abilities that the rogue and the bard uh, and the, even the wizard can do to help with stuff like this. If, as a player, you came to me with this sort of strategy, the difficulty of the encounter would drop drastically because I would want to uh, reward this sort of creative thinking and preparation, not just the character saying, all right, you got all your spell slots. I got all my armor. My, ma- my magic sword is sharp as hell. Let's do this. You know, what, what do you, what do you think, Jeff? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. I mean, anybody who's willing to go to put in that level of role play, basically, you know, and, and not just concentrate on account on, on combat because, you know, the combat's fun, but the role play is the best part. I mean, you know, seeing people think and, and actually put the, put the, um, thoughts to work as, as a group that's yeah definitely give them a, a, a lower challenge with that encounter yeah. if they were to do that i just briefly had a flash in my head where if you need to see how a uh, fortress reacts to something create a distraction of some kind to see how they react to it so you can pre-plan in advance which and i briefly pictured in my head a cleric walking up kind of like a jehovah's witness to the fortress door <laughs> jehovah's witness knocking on the door hello do you know the way Oh my god, I cannot believe you just brought that meme into this. <laughs> Get out of here with that shit. I'm on um, the way. Anyways, uh, that's some meme stuff. I don't know if you uh, know what he's referencing, but some chain stuff from our show before. But anyways, um, <laughs> do you know of any uh, type of reconnaissance pl- uh, a player could take uh, uh, the initiative on to, to gain any insight? Oh, gosh. Um, no, I think it just kind of happens with, um, you know, as as the game goes, is is you know, with the... With the uh, with the player asking, well, do we see a messenger? Do we do this? Do, you know, and, and the DM going along with it and saying, yeah, no, you know, that type of thing. It's right. you know, that kind of thing is just more or less just evolves as the game goes. I think. Yeah, I would agree. Um, well, I guess that does it for our player tip of the podcast. We, we went way more in depth than I thought we were going to go to in that. Oh, did we? Well, good. We want depth. We like deep. That is our player tip of the podcast. Don't be a dick. And you can avoid being a dick by doing reconnaissance. Before we close out, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of you, Jeff. Hey, I'm just happy to share. <laughs> We're happy to have it. Uh, our our listeners love getting prizes. Here you go, Jeff. You get to listen to somebody talk about you. I know. It's awesome. I love it. It's been a long few days of travel, and the adventurers are tired of eating rations and sleeping on the ground. The road opens to a small town with an inviting tavern. The smells of grilling meat and ale fill their nostrils, and the sound of laughter and music float out the tavern's door. Unlucky for the adventurers, they've stumbled upon Dragon's Breath Tavern. <laughs> what starts out as a pleasant evening of food, drink, and entertainment soon evolves into an adventure 
that takes the party into and under Dragon's Breath Tavern. The adventure includes roleplay, exploration, combat, and a dice game called Demon Dice. And yep, that's right. Your adventure now has an epic trailer music to it. <laughs> <laughs> It uh, always tickles my. I like it a lot. It's awesome. Yeah, Lee did a really good job. I think, I think it, the intro part is made awesome by the person who put that together and and says it. You know, I mean, actually speaks that way. I, I yeah. you know, your traveler, your adventurers walk up to a tavern and his name Dragon's Breath. You know, I mean, he did a great job. He 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 sure did, and we're so glad that he continues to do a great job for us. He does good work. I I don't know how to say this name. I don't either. I see it here. X A T S E I H O eight nine one. Is that right? Oh, zero eight nine one. Sure. So wait, uh, wait. I think it's Zetsui. Zetsui. All right, Jeff. But we'll we'll spell it too. Yeah. Zetsui zero eight nine one. You're not Jeff. I, I mean, Jeff, no, who's our winner today? The winner of Dragon's Breath Tavern today is I'm gonna try this and say Zetsui zero eight nine one, and that is spelled X A T. S E I H zero eight nine one. You can talk. <laughs> hey, at least I'm impressed. It's a it's a different dance every time. <laughs> oh, that's how we roll, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've had 60, 65 episodes to come up with clever stuff. I am actually ninety five percent sure that is that sweet, because that is the name of a summon from the uh, anime Escryad. That's fantastic. Congratulations, <laughs> Zetsui0891. Uh, You're this week's winner of this awesome prize. Compliments of Jeff Stevens. Jeff, if they'd like to tell you how awesome it is, how can they do that? They can leave a review on the DMs Guild. Yes. And or you can find me on Twitter and let me know there. I would appreciate it. That works, too. How can they find you on Twitter? Do you have a handle? Oh, yeah. It's at J Corvin Stevens, J C O R V I N S T E V E N S. And if I had it all to do over again, I would change my Twitter name. (laughs) 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 That is too long for anybody to write and remember. Uh, That's funny. Yeah. Um, So, congratulations. Definitely let them know what you think. Um, Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing the remarkable ends with Lorsmith. Oh, I'm super stoked. Um, now, if anybody, if that sounds familiar to anybody, that's because I said that exact same line a year ago on episode 17 <laughs> when I thought he was going to be on the show. Then he got got sick or something and couldn't do it. And then um, his book was falling behind. And so we kept pushing it back. And now here we are. <laughs> so I'm really excited. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. Chris Vanderlinen, right? Yes. Yes. Man. Oh, Chris. man. Good guy. Yep. Um, so, yes, uh, please uh, join us. With, as we discuss with, talk with Laura Smith that's exciting um, it is if you have any feedback on our tips and tricks or topics you'd like us to discuss Ian how can they contact us well you can email them to us by going to critacademy at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter and facebook at crit academy we hope uh, you enjoyed your experience here at the crit academy if you did you can help others find our show by leaving a hopefully five star review on itunes or you can just send us a message saying how awesome we are or how much you enjoy the show, or our guests, our awesome guests. Where, uh, where did you get them? I'm, I'm, so, uh, <laughs> Jeff, do you have any final words for our listeners? Uh, I think. Uh, well, do I? 
<laughs> am I supposed to? Am I supposed to read? No, no. no just right. do you have any uh, words? Oh, or oh, oh or no. Hey, I just want to say thank you for the uh, to let, letting me on this podcast. It's been a lot of fun uh, sharing what I know and and just uh, being able to to share it with your listeners. I've, I've had a great time. Well, I'm glad we definitely have had a blast having you on. Um, I and I promise that's not a guy with a knife standing behind you. So. Um, oh, he did look. <laughs> I did look. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I just, I'm just messing with you. Um, yeah, we've really enjoyed having you on the show, man. Uh, you have such a wealth of knowledge. You're obviously a very professional person, more than me anyway, um, when it comes to, to, to the delivery of your content. And I truly hope that uh, all our listeners will go out and purchase some of your products at, at the very, at the very least, you got to get the one with Stiggy Tong because the the encounters, uh, the savage encounters in the jungle, right? Encounters in the savage jungles. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's awesome, and you all got to give it a shot. Support him on DMs Guild. So make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com where we can help you on your future adventures as well as have a chance to win cool prizes each and every week. Thanks to awesome people like Jeff. And be sure to give us all a like and the share, not just our show, but Jeff Stevens here as well. And uh, we look forward to you guys listening to us. Yeah. You can check out our fellowship members at our website at Crit Academy. See all the people that are part of the, the Crit Nation uh, fellowship. We've got some great guys over at Interparty Conflict where they answer your questions. We have the D&D Character Lab team who build interesting characters each and every week. And they are insanely flushed out. They are full on full backstory personality all all the shebang every single week that you can uh pull from from for inspiration and you can hear them argue their validity which is just that's the best part um so i am your host justin i'm your co-host ian and i'm your guest jeff stevens thanks for listening keep your blade sharp and spells prepared heroes heroes